0: win stacks of cash by entering the 150k crack the code giveaway brought to you by your local paper now through july 14th look for the code on page a2 then visit 150kgiveaway.com and submit your entry. You could win the grand prize of $100,000. Grab the paper every day, get the code on page 2A, and improve your chances to win tons of weekly cash prizes. Visit 150kgiveaway.com for details.
1: Good afternoon, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Cape Sports Now. My name is Steve and alongside Matt Goisman. Matt? Got certainly uh, four teams left, a f- uh, fantastic four, final four, whatever you want to call them. Um, it's an exciting week, championship week.
0: Absolutely. Four is a lot for the spring for the Cape. I, I mean, last year at this time, we had, I think, just one. And even in the, the heyday of St. John Paul baseball, who we'll get to in a moment, you know, we had one or two still in the playoffs in the state tournament in the spring. So this has been a good spring for the Cape.
1: Yeah, it's usually, like you said, we're at this point where we're most likely talking about tennis or something. Yeah, like which we're so, going to talk about because we, we have will. some good tennis left. But, but uh, uh, we got a baseball team and a boys lacrosse team left, so why don't we just dive right into it, shall we?
0: Sure, so we have three games going on today. We'll run through those and then get to the girls' tennis state championship tomorrow. Starting things off in baseball, we have the only uh, team still left in the sectional tournament. That's St. John Paul II. Uh, They're the number one seed. They're going to take on number two, Abington. Uh, in the Division 4 South Baseball semifinals. That's today at 4 p.m. at Braintree High School. St. John Paul is 21-2. Abington is 19-4. and four. I mean, I've covered St. John Paul. I've covered two of their three playoff games. You covered the other one. They've been essentially one inning away from losing every one of their playoff games, and yet every single time they find some way to pull off just an increasingly miraculous is, is over, hyperbole. But increasingly impressive or surprising win i'm sure chris russell their head coach is a little you know kind of wishing his team would just score five in the first inning and cruise but this is a lions team that by now must fully believe they can overcome any deficit at any point and that's an irreplaceable kind of confidence
1: yeah and this thing is with the lions even if they're not producing offensively they're always putting pressure and making the other teams make plays by putting Mm -hmm. the ball in play fielding bunts making those difficult throws or making really good plays in the outfield and that's what a good team does is make other teams make mistakes and give you a chance to climb back into games. But, yes, of course, this is going to be a big one. We were just talking before the show. I think maybe finally they break the mold today of, you know, getting behind early and then having to claw back. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and numbers would would dictate that, right? I mean, <laughs> you can only play so many of these tight games one before games. it finally breaks. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens here. But se- certainly this is a program and, and some of these kids – I believe anybody who was a freshman at the time would have been playing on the uh, championship team. Yep. So I'm sure... Real good, pe- for instance, the catcher. Right. So uh, people, this program's been in this position before. I mean, this is nothing too too large of a stage for them. And and I think they're going to handle it real well today against an Abington team, which we've seen play uh, Mashby a couple of times. That's the team that St. John Paul beat in the previous round. Mm-hmm. And um, I I think they they match up just fine with this team.
0: For sure. So the Lions are in the South Finals for the first time since 2016. 20- 16. This is uh, That was the last time they won uh, their third of three straight state titles. Uh, they're coming off a 4-3 semifinal win over Mashpee. They trailed 3-1 heading to the bottom of the sixth, tied the game that inning, and then won it on a sacrifice fly by Aaron Cole in the seventh. Cole, by the way, is the same guy who drew the walk-off walk against Archbishop Williams uh, in the quarterfinals, which is a game they trailed 6-1 heading to the seventh, and then they wound up winning it 7-6. The parallels between these two games... There's so many of them, it's almost unbelievable. You had Sean Roycroft. He hit two for three with two RBIs in both games, including the game-tying RBI single against Mashby. Aaron Cole had an RBI and a run scored in both games. Will Good scored a run in both games. Jack Sherwood, somebody pinch-hitting in his spot, whether it was Andrew Valancourt or Joe Grygent or Shane Cummings coming on as a pinch runner, ended up getting on base and scoring out of that spot. These, This team they follow a pattern and it's really fascinating that they just keep doing it over and over and over again. So now they've got Abington who beat Mashby 12, eight and four, one during the regular season. Make of that what you will. That's the only common opponent. Abington plays in the South shore league. St. John Paul plays in the Cape and islands league. The Cape and islands league is a big league and it doesn't allow for a lot of non-conference games. Uh, you know, the green wave, they won six, five against uh, a league rival, Cohasset in the semifinals. It was A real back-and-forth game. Their big plays all came out of their seven- through nine-hole hitters of Christian Labossier, John Hawksworth, and John Polito, who each scored in the bottom of the sixth inning to put Abington ahead, and those three were five of Abington's six runs. Clearly, the Green Wave have hitting depth. Uh, They only used Brady Cristoforo, one of their pitchers, as a reliever in that game, so we might see him matched up against Cole, uh, who's had a full rest after pitching a complete game against Archbishop Williams. He gave up six runs, four earned on seven hits, four walks, eight strikeouts in that game. He threw 116 pitches against Archbishop Williams, so a really long outing, but he's had a long time to rest. I would expect him to start, and they're going to need a real clean game out of him, I think, to get to the state semifinals. And I
1: wouldn't necessarily expect a complete game. And we've seen a lot of these games where someone like Cole might get a start, but then you throw in somebody else like a Colby August, who's Mm -hmm. been really strong, kind of in the middle innings there. I mean that's sometimes that's what you need. We've seen in this in this postseason that. Or Valancourt. Teams in. who have done best have been guys who have come in relief and shut down in those later innings. You know that fourth, fifth, and sixth when things kind of get a little you know a bit more tight. So, yeah, Valancourt as you mentioned another guy. So I, there's plenty of pitching depth on this team that even if Cole doesn't get off to a great start, mm-hmm. you know you, they have plenty of guys who can eat up innings and keep keep this team in the game. That's
0: true, but the downside to if you need to use a lot of relievers is then your bullpen is a little bit taxed and because the MIA opted to play the D4 South, the D4 South uh, s- uh, final on there was originally going to be yesterday and then it got rained out and pushed back today. Whoever wins this game is going to have to turn around and play the North champion Manchester Essex in the state semifinals and that's tomorrow at Campanelli Stadium in Brockton. So you only have 24 hour turnaround If you have to use a lot of pitchers, that's going to put you a little bit behind the eight ball going up against the Manchester Essex game who got its game in on Saturday when a lot of the sectional uh, finals were. It doesn't necessarily matter, but it may be something to watch. Manchester Essex, they were seeded third in the north. They beat Lowell Catholic 4-2 in the quarterfinals, Snowden 3-2 in the semis, and then blew out number five Boston English 16-0 in the north finals. So clearly a team with some offensive prowess. Uh, and then the winner from that, they're going to go to uh, Leilacher Park in Lowell for the state championship, uh, which is a change from when it's traditionally been, which has been at Holy Cross. Uh, the date and time for that is still to be decided. Um, it's either going to be West champion Hopkins Academy or central champion Tahanto facing off, uh, and they're in the other semifinal, which is going on Tuesday in Worcester.
1: Yeah, but you're right. That is a... Kind of an unfair turnaround. But at the same time, look, it's a championship game today. And and I think that's the way the Lions just have to approach it. Don't worry about tomorrow. Just take care of business today. Try to get the win. And whatever the pitching situation is tomorrow, that's what it is. But at least you'd be in the state semifinals. Yep,
0: no, absolutely. I'm sure that both teams would trade having a tired bullpen for a sectional championship and semifinal berth.
1: Right, but it's interesting I mentioned one more point on Abington real quick. You mentioned Christian Labossier, a really mm. outstanding athlete. We talked about him a lot in yeah. the football scene. I he was their quarterback. He was a really good athlete. Or, mm-hmm. um, that's just good to, interesting to see a team like that. Clearly, he's going to be strong 1-9. through nine. So on the pitching element, there's not like the bottom of the order is going to get you out of things you know they're really going to have to bear down and try to get those get those guys out because it sounds like Abington is another team that's going to put the ball into play and make you um yeah play error free baseball I think they
0: absolutely will and you know that quarterback to pitcher translation that's happened quite a bit I mean for St. John Paul Devin Harrison was their quarterback and their ace for Falmouth a few years ago Nick Kuig was their ace pitcher and their quarterback on the state championship team so it's a translatable set of skills uh you're going out to Hanover today for
1: uh Boys Lacrosse, right? Well, tonight unfortunately, but <laughs> today, tonight, whatever. <laughs> we'll do we'll do with what we can. Uh yeah, seven PM <laughs> game tonight. Um Sandwich, the South Sectional Champion, comes in eighteen and five. We'll be playing Bedfield at nineteen and two. Bedfield is the central east champion. That's kinda how they do it in Lacrosse. Central West, Central East, mm-hmm. South, and then um, north north yeah <laughs> west <or whatever. laughs> I don't know. somewhere in the middle yeah I, anyway um you know sandwich captured his first sectional title in program history with a 10-8 win over Hanover Thursday night at Hingham and that was a rematch from earlier in the year where sandwich lost to Hanover 13-11 mm-hmm. and actually both both of the games at Hingham that night were a rematch gohassett in Norwell two of the powers in division three played together Norwell won the regular season game I believe in like triple overtime mm-hmm. and then gohassett won the sectional final so okay playoff rematches uh seems like a favor of the loser in the regular season. So take that for what it's worth. But um, sandwich the Atlanta Coast League champ, it really has continued its pattern all throughout the postseason, kind of with a lukewarm start. Not a disastrous start, but, you know, not their strongest. But then, boy, have they really finished strongly at the end of the third quarter and the fourth quarter. They've been probably one of the better teams in the state at finishing games. Blue Knights trailed 6-3 midway through the third quarter against Hanover, but then scored the next six goals, completely to take that game over. And, of course, Cam Lopes and Charlie Chapman get a ton of credit, but that's a big kudos to the defensemen right there. Mm-hmm. Goalie Carson Schemenauer, who, again, we've talked a lot about in hockey. Oh, yeah. Defenders Jesse Woodall and Dan Bader, who are both freshmen starting out there. They're both locking down in front of Hour. And then you got two other freshmen in the midfield who are also kicking in. So all those things kind of gave that offense a chance to rally. And the interesting part of this team, and with the last two games, the score's been spot on for them. What do I mean by that? Defensive coach Jerome Faye, the wrestling also the wrestling coach mm-hmm. at Sandwich, he's had a goal for his defense to allow uh for his defense to allow eight goals or fewer, right? Right. Mike McNeil, right, the head coach, mm-hmm. he expects his, he said he expects his offense to score at least ten goals each game. The last two scores of each game, ten to eight. Funny how that works out. <laughs> That's execution to perfection in my opinion. And mm-hmm. at least in that regard. You know, it hasn't been perfect in that route to perfection, but I mean, um, p- beating Plymouth us. Uh, and was it Plymouth South or Plymouth North by the, um, in the semifinal mm-hmm. by that score and then winning the final by that score? Call it a coincidence, but I think that's just execution to perfection, like I just said. So, I mean, this is going to be put to the test against uh, Central East Division II champion Medfield, which has won eight MIAA state titles since 2004. Mm-hmm. It's a two losses this year. just They're pretty telling. Sir Duxbury and BC High, yeah. two of the better Division I programs in the state. So oh, yeah. this is a very good team that has two All-America players. Uh, Mike Hopman, uh, second-team All-American, and defender John Schofield, who's a first-team All-American, mm-hmm. plus Jack McCordick, who scored 11 goals in a sexual, se- sectional semifinal against Westwood. Um, this is a very talented team. Now, Hopman, the interesting part is he's been out since the tourney opener against Walpole. I believe he injured his knee in that game. So mm-hmm. we don't. I don't know for certain if he's going to play, but he's been out for the last two uh, playoff games that Medfield has had. Um, but but at the same time, Medfield's outscored its opponents 46 to 18 in three postseason games, whereas mm-hmm. Sandwich's is 44 to 28 in its four games. In terms of common opponents, there's just one: uh, Norwood. Sandwich won 11-5 beating Norwood in its season open its playoff opener, mm-hmm. and then Medfield beat Norwood 22 to one in its season opener. Okay, kind of so, gives you an idea. How yeah, <laughs> talented. So this clearly, Medfield, Medfield can, be. can score a lot. No, absolutely. So. Um, I mean, in terms of this matchup, it's pretty simple. Sandwich needs a full 48 minutes because Medfield will pounce on any lapses mm-hmm. um, and make it very difficult on Sandwich to rally. Um, that lapse for Sandwich in the in the last game was in the third quarter. You know, it was 3-3 three, three at halftime, then giving up three straight goals. Lapses like that can't happen. You've mm-hmm. got to stick like, right on this team as close as you can for as long as you can because there's no guarantee the offense is going to be able to get them to crawl back in. But um, what was interesting, though, is Sandwich was able to run about two or three minutes off the clock, just circling around the net against Hanover. And yep. if they can stretch out those possessions and draw some more penalties, I do think they can hang around. Um, and if, but if they do get that fast break, those fast break looks and those open looks mm-hmm. in front of the net, they gotta have to take them, of course, not just run out the clock.
0: I found it interesting in that game. It seemed like uh, you were there that Tim Ladner, their faceoff guy, who has just dominated lots of games. That wasn't necessarily the case in the South Finals that he he did well, but it wasn't like winning eighty, ninety-five percent of them or anything like that. Uh, and yet they still found a way to win. And I'm sure he's going to be matched up with another good face-off guy uh, in the state semifinals. Yeah,
1: it was about fifty-fifty, and I would expect the same thing. Midfield's got a really good face-off guy as well. Um, I mean, it just came simple. Even when Ladner was losing draws, you had his defense and midfielders checking really strong, knocking the ball loose, mm-hmm. and. You know, just making the adjustments needed. That's the thing about Ladner, even when he loses face offs, he doesn't get discouraged. He just he finds new ways to adjust. Now he said it's a little bit more adjusting than he's used to, but in terms of rotation and stuff like that, he's one of those kids who's just gonna keep going back and sure. he's gonna make it as difficult as possible for you to win those draws. So um, it's a credit to him and and again, yeah, he's gonna have to bring his best game because toward the end in that fourth quarter, he did start winning more of those draws compared to earlier in the game, and that really turned things around for Sandwich. Cool. Because it all kind of starts with him, right? Mm -hmm. Getting the ball and then running down on the attack.
0: State championship is Thursday? Yes, at BU?
1: Thursday at BU, yep. Um, Boston University. Yeah. (laughs) Should be interesting. We don't have a time on that yet. um, but. Should be a really interesting game for sure.
0: It's a good field if you've ever been over there. It's a it's a turf field. It's a nice uh, facility. I believe in Nickerson, right? Yeah, Nickerson. It's just kind of their all. Pur- that's where I went to grad school. It's kind of their all purpose former home of
1: the Boston Braves. I believe. Yeah, right? I
0: think that's correct. Yeah, way back in the day.
1: <laughs> field looks a little. <laughs> looks a little bit different now. I would say. Uh, well, it has lights.
0: <laughs> uh, we'll switch it over to tennis now. For the we have Martha's Vineyard. The boys and the girls are still alive in the tournament uh steve is going to talk about the girls in the state championship in a couple minutes i'll start with the boys uh in the division three state semifinals martha's vineyard is 20 and oh they're taking on weston which is 14 and 5 that's a three thirty p.m game at lexington high school so if you're going to go to that game probably leave very soon i'm assuming if you're on the island you've already left <laughs> um you know the vineyard they put the full strength of their singles players on display uh, and uh, last week and they came away with a really big win over dover Sherburn. that was a 3-2 win dover sherburne had won the last four division three south championships i think they'd won a state title i want to say 2017 but they had one title during that run of four straight uh state berths. so you know that means the vineyarders were they're going to get to play in the state tournament now for the first time since 2013 which is the last time they won a title themselves first of all Big credit to Max Potter at two singles and Eric Rubens at three singles. Both of them took control of their matches really early in their first set. They never looked back. It never looked to me like either was really challenged, and their two-set victories were not assured, but they were extremely confident they were going to pull it off, and Dover Sherburn was fighting from behind all of those two matches. Potter picked up the first vineyard point with a 6-3, 6-0 win, and then Rubens won 6-0, 6-4, that alone would have been noteworthy because Dover Sherburn had swept all of their previous playoff opponents 5-0. And I could hear some of the parents from the uh from Dover Sherburn very surprised that their players hadn't won their first sets and that they were gonna give up points, let alone that they would eventually lose the match. It's
1: almost like seeing Barcelona volleyball when they finally lose yeah, a set in yeah, the final in the biggest game of the year.
0: Yeah. I, no, I, I absolutely think that. You know, and when you're in that situation and you've never lost, it can be very mentally challenging on the players who suddenly realize they have to win. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll get to that in a minute. Potter, you know, I thought he had a little bit more power in his game than Rubens, um, who plays the way I've seen a lot of three singles players play, which is a uh, focus on volleying, consistency, nothing too overpowering. I, if you talk to Rubens, I think he would say the same thing. You know, he and Kim uh, Moganem had some really, really long rallies in their two sets. And it's really mentally draining when you keep having to volley the ball back over the net, and even your hardest shots just get dumped back your way. And that goes both ways. But it seemed like Rubens was fine with Mogadem kind of beating himself more than trying to rip forehands down the line or do anything too aggressive.
1: Yeah, um, a lot of those matches just come down to avoiding unforced errors. Yeah, and that's that, what I think that's what you mean by more of consistency. Exactly. Just, um, if you're going to lose a point, make the other guy make a good shot.
0: Exactly. You know, and we saw that at one singles too. Uh, But with three singles especially, it's been my experience that that's a spot where the focus is on just keeping the ball in play because obviously that's the third best singles player on the team, and very few teams are deep enough to have, like, hard, you know, people with really hard rocket strokes that deep in their their lineup. Um, But with all due respect to uh, Max and Eric, the star, like, the biggest kudos has to go to Chris Ferry at one singles. That was an incredibly tough, draining, physically exhausting, emotional win Uh, For a kid whose freshman year ended with a three-set loss to dover Sherburn in the South semifinals, it was basically 2-2 going to the end of that match, and he lost in three sets, and that was it for the season. Two years later, the match came down to him again, this time at one singles. He shrugged off, missing a wide-open shot that would have ended the first set a little bit earlier, uh, but came back to win it. Then he stayed in the match when Don uh, pomahack went up six five in the second set and forced a tiebreaker he trailed early in the tiebreaker but he just kept finding ways to put the ball where Pomahack couldn't get to it with enough time to get off a really hard shot you know most of ferry's points in the tiebreaker were on pomahack's shots that sailed wide or into the net including the ultimate clinching point and Perry I'm sorry ferry forced those bad shots with really smart placement So now they get Weston, which is it was seeded eighth, but they upset three higher seeds, including number one Austin Prep to advance to the state tournament uh, a year after winning the whole thing. They play out of the really tough dual County league. So you have to take their record with a little bit of a grain of salt. I think it's a little misleading the, you know, the losses that they have, the five of them. Um,
1: if you even regard records, much at this point, anyway, yeah, exactly. any team that's in a state semifinal is probably
0: pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't think the vineyard can count on a single sweep again. Although I would probably think Potter and Rubens, I would expect to win Ferry it could come down to another really close match. So I would like to see the one doubles team, Owen Favreau and Spencer Pogue uh, get the win this time around. They went to three sets last time, but they kind of, the two sets they lost, they didn't really look in it. So if they can turn that around, that would be great. At two doubles, Luke Naval and David Crowdhammer, they lost 6-1 and 6-0. It was, not, it was a pretty one-sided match. I kind of expect that might be the same case here. Um, but Favreau and Pogue have been pretty reliable, and I think there's definitely a chance if the vineyard advances, it'll be on the strength of winning two and three singles, and one doubles.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I think any time you can win one of the doubles, at least split, when you're worried about one of them, it takes some of the pressure off one of those singles guys, which, again, everyone's going to be in their own zone anyway, but at the same time, I think that take that would take a lot more pressure off the singles guys um to just you know play their game and know that your teammates got your back
0: yeah the winner advances to the state finals which is going to be thursday against either central champion hopedale or west champion belchertown uh that's at st john's school in shrewsbury which is the site of the state tennis championships pretty much every year it's a
1: good segue isn't it yeah the girl's side. <laughs> so state championship. so division two um doesn't have a semi-final goes right to a final I guess that's a perk, so to speak. Of, sure. I mean,
0: it's one last match you got to win. <laughs>
1: well, as we'll get to in a second, Martha's Vineyards, the girls, their last match was almost like a state semifinal. Yeah. And we'll get to that in a second. But uh, it's a state championship for the Eastern Mass Division Two title. It'll be right. a rematch between Martha's Vineyard at 20-0 and Winchester 21 at 2 p.m. Tuesday. That's tomorrow at St. John's in Shrewsbury. Good news, Matt. theres There hasn't been a heat wave yet this summer, so yeah. I wouldn't expect any burning cars this summer. <laughs> yeah,
0: right? the, the drive up to Lexington last year was... Oh, that was oh,
1: Lexington? That
0: was at Lexington.
1: Oh, I thought that was at St. John's. No, oh. they
0: they had... Uh, there was actually two rounds of the state tournament for Division Two last That's year. That's what it was. I the think. way it works is, this year there was only North and South Division Two. There was no Central or West okay. teams, so they call a one-round state tournament just the eastern mass final it's effectively a state championship i mean it's right. as far as you can go
1: right and so north but it's the north versus the south here in this case the only ones with division two almost similar to kind of gossip boys soccer right mm-hmm. you're not going to say that they didn't win a state title they did yeah <laughs> no exactly so it's a, it's a similar case to that but anyway so uh last year the video won its four straight state title but it was its first in division two mm-hmm. so now they're going for back to back which i think would really uh you know do wonders with their program and kind of continue on for their calls to just Go against the best in D1. I don't think we'll see that for a school like that. Yeah, but, I
0: don't think we're going to see a Super 8 in girls tennis. But, but I could be wrong.
1: But as I mentioned uh, a few minutes ago, the sectional final uh, against Dover Sherman was an absolute thriller for the mm-hmm. Vineyard. Uh, they got a huge first doubles win from Molly Pogue and Jessica Potter. 7-5, 4-6, 7-1. Yeah. And by one person's account, that match lasted almost three hours. So <laughs> to, uh, to, to to grind out that victory like that is certainly uh, a good sign for the doubles team, which we've seen at times, you know, been off and on. You know, Pogan Potter overall have been pretty good, but, mm-hmm. you know, haven't been perfect. It wasn't like last year when you no, had Scott. And
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, they, this is a two doubles team that moved up to one doubles right. this year with an even younger team coming in at two doubles.
1: Right. Um, the good news for the vineyards is that Hannah Rabaska and Victoria Scott won in straight sets relatively easily, but one singles pair player, Kelly Claren, which has almost been the guaranteed points all year, mm-hmm. lost in straight sets to sophomore Amelia Poor, who Martha's Vineyard coach Chris Scott claims is the best individual player in the state, and that's pretty telling for only a sophomore. Mm-hmm. So no shaming, I guess, losing that one. But um, then Dover Sherburn won second doubles to even the match and left it all up to Pogan Potter, who came through in the clutch and. Uh, delivered the vineyard to the uh, state final again. Um, last year in the state final, Winchester lost uh, 4-1, to only winning two doubles, which could happen again this mm-hmm. year. Again, we've mentioned that's kind of in their weak point. Uh, its lineup looks like Carolyn Freedy at one singles, Olivia Dimichelis at two singles, uh, senior Nicole Costellis at three singles. Mm-hmm. Um, one doubles, you have seniors Laura, uh, Ch- excuse me, Lauren Chilton and uh, Taylor Kenrich. And then uh, Maddie Tank and Grace Thompson at two doubles. So that was the lineup in a five nothing win over Newburyport in the D two North final. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chilton Kendridge won the Division two North individual doubles title, and I believe are on to the state individual uh, tournament as it wraps up. I believe this weekend mm-hmm. is the individual tournament yeah. finals. After this, so it's going to be another tough match I think coming up for po- uh, Potter and Pogue going up against two of the better uh, you know doubles players in the North Region. Mm-hmm. Um, Rabaska cruised to a 6-1-6-0 win against Freedy at third singles last year, so I think Claren should have an easier time compared to last year's clinching match in the final where she really had to grind it out yeah. in the heat.
0: and she had a chance to to finish that early, and she couldn't close out the second set, and I think it did have to go to a tiebreaker. Um, so I'm sh- hopefully she learned from that experience. But, but again,
1: for Rabaska to handle... Um, free to that easily last year yeah. and then moving up to one single. I think that's a good sign for the vineyard that they should be able to take care of business mm-hmm. in the singles matches. Uh, Costellas is going division, to division three Washington U next year, but I think Bravasca is playing well enough and should be able to win that match. Um, I haven't seen much on um, their second singles player, Olivia de It's mm-hmm. two singles, but Victoria Scott has also been playing really well and, and I would, I think she should be favored in this match.
0: Yeah, I think so too. I mean, you know, Scott is going to be playing college tennis next year. I believe, I don't want to say Bates is where she's going, but, you know, she and Rabaska are still undefeated this year. Neither right. of them has lost. And Claren only has that one loss, you know, to right. her name. And I'm betting she's going to be a little bit steamed about that and, and probably looking to play better right. in this final game.
1: And Scott's opponent's is a sophomore. She did win her last match six two five seven ten four. So, I mean, clearly she's a fighter. Yeah. But, I, again, like you mentioned, you know, Scott hasn't lost this year. I'd be really surprised if she lost in this match. Yeah. So I do think singles will be able to take care of business here. Um, We'll just see. It could even be the same exact score as last year. It's lining up pretty well, though, for the Vineyard. And, and, uh, yeah, that would certainly be an impressive milestone to win five consecutive state championships, no matter what division you're in.
0: Absolutely, especially with some changeover and a squad that, while it's still clearly very, very good. I mean, you lost a team last year where one player had never lost a varsity match and one player had only lost once, I think, as a freshman. So to take all those wins away and still, if they win this, they'd go undefeated again and win another state title. That would be really, really impressive.
1: No, Absolutely. So I um, want to do the rundown real quickly just in case you missed any yep. of the start times of these games. Um, baseball, the Division Four South uh, final tonight is going to be between uh, number 1 St. John Paul and number 2 Abington. That's at 4 p.m. today slash Monday at Braintree High School. Yep. Uh, Boys across the Division II state semifinals is going to be sandwich versus Medfield at 7 p.m. Monday or today at Hanover High School. Um, The boys tennis today, uh, the Division III state semifinals between Martha's Vineyard and Weston. That's at 3 3 3.30 p.m. today slash Monday at Lexington High School. And last but not least, we have the Division II Eastern Mass State Championship in girls tennis between Martha's Vineyard and Winchester. That begins at 2 p.m. Tuesday at St. John's in Shrewsbury.
0: Yeah. I think that'll do it for this week's episode of Cape Sports Now. You can find this episode and links to all previous episodes uh, at our website, Times.com slash sports and Times.com slash Sports now. You can check our Twitter feed for updates on uh, scores, scheduling. There's some rain in the forecast for this week, so it's very possible some of this stuff may get postponed. At least tomorrow's match, we're very much keeping an eye on. Uh, you can follow that at at SportsCCT. You can also follow us individually on Twitter. I'm at Matt Goisman, C-C-T. That's M-A-T-T-G-O-I-S-M-A-N-C-C-T.
1: I'm also on Twitter at Steve underscore Derdere. My last name's D-E-R-D-E-R-I-A-N. Oh, go ahead.
0: Sorry, you can also find this episode through the Cape Cod Times uh, Facebook page and you can download it as a podcast through whatever podcast app you use. You can, uh, your Apple products, Google, whatever probably were there somewhere. So just go searching for Cape Sports now. Uh, We're going to have one more episode next week to wrap up the spring and the entire school year. We'll see you then.
1: All right. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of